It was so much more fun for me to watch this one as opposed to living it. That night, I don't know if you remember that night, it was one of the worst nights of my professional career. Look alive, sport talkers. Today we are launching a new segment of our show called Sport Talks Office Hours. This will be a space where we focus on specific topics or profiles of sport professionals and professors. You can find deep dives on important issues and detailed analysis of sport media, digital marketing, broadcast, game operations, sport business, social media, and more. We introduce Sport Talks Office Hours with Dan Maraza, Aaron Hodges, and Cassie Epstein as we dive deep toward the Seattle Kraken and analyze the branding and social digital media wins and losses of the 32nd NHL team's launch. Dan worked for the NHL's Vegas Golden Knights during their inaugural season and brings his direct experience and hilarious stories as the team's social media director to the conversation. Erin works for the Tampa Bay Rays of the MLB as their digital marketing coordinator and offers her expertise on the digital creative of Seattle's name launch and provides useful tips for future fan engagement. We welcomed Cassie to Sport Talks for the first time, and she is the social media manager and works in business development and external affairs at Gillette Stadium. Cassie provides interesting nuggets of information from the perspective of arena relations, and as Dan mentions, a professor of social media 101. a huge like social media dork and I like analyzing all this stuff so this will be fun to have a conversation. We were already messaging about it a few days ago going on about this. It was so much more fun for me to watch this one as opposed to living it. Yeah right. I know you must have like you must have such a good perspective on it because you've like Cassie that night I don't know if you remember that night it was one of the worst nights of my professional career is that we only had about six employees and everything was outsourced and we had a big crowd on stage and the video didn't play. And it didn't play for seven minutes. And it's this awful thing outside. They were going to have helicopters drop merch. And then the helicopters got there early because it was delayed. And so the circling were out. Um, I was inside the arena with no TV feed, getting ready to push out the press release and turn the accounts live. And they said, don't push it live until the fireworks go off. And I didn't know what was going on. There were no fireworks going off. It was, oh my God, the Kraken beat the snot out of us. <laughs> well, let's say, this time around. Even though I will say is this is one of the things I'm going to touch on. They've been a company now since December of 2018. So which is almost going on two years and we had only been a company for five months. A little bit more time to build stuff. But that being said, they still, uh, they did a lot. What they actually did with us was since we were so small staff, Tina Jane was still with the NHL at that point and they sent her out to our office for the week and she had a, like like an office, like in like next to my desk, and she kind of did it directly with us, just because like we did not have the personnel, and we really stepped up. Yeah, that is crazy. I can't imagine kind of like starting that all up with such a small kind of skeleton staff. We had no PR staff at this point. Like I was walking around after, and our GM was getting picked off by random reporters in the plaza, and I just came in and whisked them out, like not knowing what was going to happen. It was yeah, that was, a, that was a night for the record books. It was a couple. It was two days before Thanksgiving. I didn't realize the full scale. I knew it was bad. I didn't know the full scale until I got home for Thanksgiving and I watched the whole thing on my phone's DVR. And I was like wanting to cover my face, especially since, and I guess this is, I guess how quickly things turned around there is that when it was delayed for seven or eight minutes, it's like the most embarrassing thing you can get. During this, the owner of the team guaranteed that they were going to win the cup in the first six years. As the video was delayed, like now, like, this is not the time. <laughs> not the time. Like, just get the video to play and stop telling things Stanley Cup and get the video right. to play. But now they might actually win a cup in six years. So I guess the the joke is uh, the joke is on someone else. 
Exactly. You might do it in three. <laughs> the first thing we can talk about is just analyzing the launch. So be it the teasers right down to the announcement and especially emphasizing the storytelling of the launch. So any one of you guys can start. Yeah, so one of the things I'll start with that I think one of the things I definitely want to call attention to is Seattle Kraken definitely knocked it out of the park. But that being said, I think the NHL and Adidas also deserve a lot of credit with this. I think one of the things that maybe the general public doesn't realize is that even when I was with Vegas Golden Knights and we met, and we named our franchise, is the teaser was well, the the launch. Not we didn't have a teaser; we had a launch. It was actually very similar in structure as what the Seattle Kraken was. And it was actually produced by the NHL and it doesn't provide it for us. So sometimes the NHL gets a little bit of a wrap sometimes on its marketing, maybe not being up to snuff, but especially when it comes to naming franchises of the last couple of years, I think they've really done a killer job. And I just wanted to definitely call that out that as Seattle was lose credit, the NHL was lose credit, and Adidas was lose credit, credit all the way around. And do we all agree with the name? Like it was the best name that Seattle could have chosen. I think that I say that it's the best name from the standpoint of that they listen to the fans, which doesn't usually happen all that often. Like Vegas, I believe it was, and I'm pretty sure Dan will chime in on this, but it was more something like that the ownership wanted. So I really love the fact that they, they probably had other names in mind, but they kept hearing Kraken and fans being excited about it. And when you're trying to build a new team, the first thing that you can do is let your fans kind of help pick the name. So I really love that. And I think it, it, really kind of took the surprise a little bit away but at the same time then you're not necessarily oh what's the name now you're like well what's the branding like you're starting to focus kind of on those other things so I saw fans get excited about all the logos and the secondary logos things like that that I didn't necessarily see as much of um say with the with the golden knights where people are more focused on the name so kind of cool in that regard yeah I think we know with any any marketing move or you know big team change like you're never gonna have you're never going to please everyone, but I think the majority of people obviously love it. I love it. I think whether or not you love or hate the name, you can't deny that they listened to the fans, to your point, Erin. Like they listened to their community. They listened to the fans and, you know, whether, even if you don't like the name, you can't deny that they really did listen to their community. And I think that, you know, really just goes above and beyond for, you know, for them in the future. I think one of the things, too, is I think you all can attest to this, too, is I, over 90% of the people seem positive. Think about how hard it is to get 90% of the people on the internet to agree on something. I mean, that's like, I think that is almost a like a testament to it in itself. But one of the things that, and, and a lot with that, too, is that, you know, you're always going to get a couple of haters that want to downplay just because... But these people, they were really reaching. Like, one of the people said, well, Kraken doesn't actually live in the Pacific Ocean. And I was like... Dude, I hate to break it to you. Kraken isn't real. <laughs> and it's like, I was like going to say, it's like, you know, there's no kings in Los Angeles. So there's no, there's no actual knights unless you go into the Excalibur and Las Vegas. But when people start digging about what ocean the Kraken came from, that's when you know that you're having to dig pretty hard to, uh, to criticize it, which like I said, it is to both Aaron and Cassie's point is they, they definitely listened to the audience that way and definitely took that feedback. I think they used a lot of analytics too to analyze a lot of online conversations as time went also. So not just going to the coffee shops and hearing a couple of people say the Kraken, but no, actually getting really in-depth and use, using intelligence to do that. And I think all of us were set, like saying, is, I guess this is maybe my reaction was, is when I saw the teaser, I think my first reaction was, they actually did it. 
Like it was rumored, and I'm like, they yeah. they went there, they went there, and because you can kind of tell, and I'm like, don't pull it away from me so late. But the uh, but then the branding obviously was uh, was really amazing too, and especially one of the things that I think is fun is that when I think of a Kraken, I think of Pirates of the Caribbean, and, and Jared Bruckheimer was part of that, and he quoted Seattle ownership also, and I'm like. I don't know. They better have Jack Sparrow there for the home opener. And uh, <laughs> people, who was it? Was it the the Predators? I think they commented that on the reply thread to the initial thing. They were like, "Is Jack Sparrow the captain?" I think was their tweet. <laughs> oh, really? I really appreciated oh, that. Yeah, I need to go back. It was a good one. I, mean, I it, it, so it in terms so of the. I liked the teaser video. One of the things we kept going back and forth because we kept picking out things in the video and we were probably way over analyzing it, which is probably what they wanted. But to me, the dead giveaway for what the name was going to be was when the, when Savannah and team, they changed the profile picture to the water and mm-hmm. the header picture to water. And then I was like, yep, it's cracking now. Cause yeah, I feel like that. a Labrador, maybe it's a sea dog or. If it was a sea dog after that teaser, <laughs> that maybe. You know, I know. that went crazy. And Aaron, like, I think what you said before, like, I think that at least the comments that I saw weren't necessarily like shock and awe at the name. It wasn't like this surprise name that no one was expecting, but it was, I think it was for a lot of people, like validation of like, I've been waiting for so long for this to be the name. I'm so excited that it is the name that they heard us. They listened to us. So it wasn't necessarily a name that people were surprised to hear, but were really happy that it felt like they had been listened to. They were a part of this and that's what you want. You want to build a community around this to move forward. Well, I think one of the things. I think they did a really good job, especially when you guys are all mentioning how far we dug into it and analyzed the video. Like the tweets that I saw of like people were screenshotting it frame from frame and going, yeah. oh, well, so the the male say, fisherman is wearing this color and this color and the female fisher woman is wearing this color and this color. And I mean, they weren't wrong. So I don't know if maybe that was actually incorporated. Like all the Jersey colors were incorporated in the video somehow. And then they I went even as far as when they lifted the, the net onto the dock or onto the dock, it was someone had outlined it with, with like had drawn on lines going, Oh, it's the shape of a Kraken. Like the uh, oh, I didn't even yeah. see that till you just met. I, I still haven't yeah. seen that. You, so that shows I'll how good. To you guys, because I was just like, you're joking. Like they're going so far as like thinking that the net was placed strategically in a certain way that it looked like what a kraken would look like. You know what they say: the guys never notice the fine details. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I don't know. I know that like teams, obviously people get it really excited when new expansion teams come around in a way. I'm curious to know if the pandemic and everything going on kind of helped them in a way in terms of there wasn't, we had sports restarting, but they barely beat it out to where there wasn't a lot going on. So they were the main sports news of the day. Um, I didn't hear much else between other sports. Obviously there was some baseball, but I mean, even I was all about hockey for that day. And I'm curious yeah. if that would have happened otherwise. Yeah, Granted, it was one, summer. Maybe it would have. So I don't know. I think one of the things that really helped it too is I, my guess is they would have named it a couple months ago had been not from the pandemic. And one of the things that people might not remember is that one of the things that definitely helped them was showing what the Jersey's looked like when the Golden Knights were launched in November of 2016. The Jerseys were not even released that night. The Jerseys weren't released until June of 2017 when the actual, when Adidas did the full rebranding of the league. So that night, all we had 
was a logo and a couple t-shirts and a couple hats and not that much. So even it's not to take any credit away from them whatsoever. They used the time to, to, to their advantage. Mm-hmm. But I saw some of the things even about merchandise, but at the same time, they have a lot more things that are a little bit out there than we had with, with the Golden Knights where, uh, like I said, if you have time, use it productively, I guess. And mm-hmm. they definitely, and they definitely did that. And I'm really excited to see, uh, you know, how it comes together. I think one of the things, and I think I probably, uh, said this to some people is I hate being one of those people that we all sit and go, it's great. It's awesome. And I, I'm always the devil's advocate. I've always been this way that I try to find one thing to pick on to try to liven up those college discussion classes. Is the one thing for me, see, I'm going to dig deep, deeper than where the, uh, the Kraken actually lives, is that the, uh, I'm not a huge fan of navy blue as a primary color, just because it doesn't necessarily pop on television. And at least in hockey, is because, <laughs> hey, and that was a shot at you for sure. I know. I know. Is that, uh, is that because a lot of times it'll look like black. And as, as a result, in the NHL, a lot of uniforms, they, it was kind of that fad in the 2000s where Edmonton went to Navy, the New York Islanders went to Navy, Buffalo went to Navy, and the Capitals went to Navy. And now they've all started switching back a little bit. The Islanders went back to Royal Blue, Buffalo's got to Royal Blue this season. And the only Navy teams that are left after the Buffalo makes the switch for the season are the Winnipeg Jets and the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I think one of the reasons is because of that. I think one of the things I started trying to dig myself into a hole of like, what if they took the baby blue accent color and maybe that's the primary color and maybe the navy blue the accent. But then the logo is navy, so the logo oh, the, the logo is lighter, so it wouldn't have uh, it would have blended right into the backdrop, so it wouldn't really have worked. So I'm sure they did all those tests. But the other part of the baby blue color thing is I'm really big on teams owning their own color. I mean Dallas did that in the NHL where they switched from black to the victory green, Nashville switched to gold, uh Handful of teams have done that. San Jose has always been really branded well with teal. They've always been, you see teal, you think San Jose all the way back since they started in 1991. And you've seen a lot of teams do that. And that, that baby blue might have been a color that they would have been able to own. But that being said, and the subject of owning things is that when you think of, is there any team in any sport, at any high school or peewee that you could think of that's called Kraken? Like when you think of Kraken, like when you think of Panthers, it could be the Pittsburgh Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, the Florida Panthers, the Giants could be New York or San Francisco. When you go to the Kraken, you know what we're talking about now. So in that sense, they own that, the color thing. I don't know. I could barely pick out my own clothes. So I don't know how good I am to criticize color. But that being said, as I was curious to see what some of those inverses of other blues could have been with that. But it's such a cool color combination. There's so much flexibility. Maybe it's alternate jerseys at a later date. Yeah, they have, they I'm, have I'm so curious about the alternates. I really hope yeah. they do that like babyish seafoam green blue color, whatever you want to call that. Because I was hoping that was going to be the away jersey, but then I was like, well, every NHL team has a white away jersey yeah. now. And so I was like, well, that's never going to happen. So I really hope they do it as an alternate. And I really do hope they use their, uh, the anchor logo too, somewhere as like a big jersey. Cause I thought they did such a good job with just the subtle, uh, it took me an hour to know it's a space needle in there. Right? Like it's, it just, it fits so perfectly. I think and also three glances, it took me three. And then I looked at it and I was like, that is definitely the space we don't It was the same thing with Vegas, where we had the V in the helmet, which people, a lot of people didn't notice the V for a long time. So I guess this is the, the new Adidas thing, that they have the ability to hide these little things in there. But it seems right. like it's something that's so simple, but nobody ever thought of it. Like, oh, the Space Needle and an anchor. What could be more Seattle than that? And sometimes the simple sometimes is the most effective. And it's one of those things that, like, when I 
think ahead and I picture them playing wherever they're playing. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be that, that Pacific. It's going to be the Canucks with the Whales. It's going to be the Kraken, San Jose Sharks, Anaheim Ducks. I mean, this is like a National Geographic division out here. But it's going to be something like uh, I can picture that anchor on their shoulder and looking like a cool type of thing. Yeah. That's not yeah. just a throwaway patch, but it's something that actually adds character to what they do. Yeah, and it, and it personalizes it. It ties it in with the community, but not in like an overtly tacky way where it's just mm-hmm. like too much where you're turned off and you don't actually want to wear that on merch. Like it's mm-hmm. something that, you know, you don't notice it at first. It blends in so perfectly. And, you know, to your point, Dan, like I am obsessed with teams that have like a unique color scheme and a color that like you don't even need to wear the logo. Like I know what team you're supporting because that color is unique to you. Mm-hmm. Like I'm obsessed with the New York Liberty. They have that really cool color scheme. I grew up in a really big Duke household, but even being a Duke fan, like I did respect UNC for having like that baby blue. Like, you know, that baby blue is UNC, whether or not you've got that logo on your shirt. So I think having that really, that cool color scheme, that unique color that really you don't see on other teams, I think is just something that's so cool. And that can be just, I mean, that's going to be such a piece of pride to be able to support that color i think for that group is going to be really interesting to see i sure hope we have a, I... a kids club called the squid squad and that they will the baby blue it's gotta be i want the i'm gonna talk squad. i'm gonna have to hit up cameron and just be like cameron squid squad <laughs> i want it i want that squid squad <laughs> if I had to like nitpick anything about the logo, it was the S in the tentacle because it wasn't until I saw the motion graphic and then made a GIF of it um, to post that I even realized it was a tentacle at all, which mm-hmm. I was fine with. I loved the crack and I loved the S. I was so happy they didn't go like full on octopus on people because <laughs> octopus and hockey, like I just would not have been about it. Like that would have been such an old school, like minor league type logo feel. The Detroit Red so. Wings have a wound, have, might want to have a wound with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So I... Once I saw the motion graphic, I was like, oh, that's a tentacle. So maybe mm-hmm. just making like the money, the little round things. I don't know what those are called. I'm blanking right now. But on the tentacle, but just like a little more pronounced. Little, like suction cups. Yeah. Like yeah, a little suction like, cups. Yeah. Think of how many people are Googling what a Kraken is this week. The guy who I believe he made the website, which that's like a whole nother discussion of how amazing that website was built. So, so much props to him. Um, but he had like a beer can with Kraken and it's a local brewery. So I'm going to be very curious if that came out before this whole thing or if there's a partnership going on because... There'll be Kraken uh, a cold one. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so the, much um, material here. This, yeah. oh, this, this was but made the, for the children like us. <laughs> what is it? The, the Hurricanes, they paired with a beer company, a local beer company in Raleigh, and they made that Storm Brew or whatever. Mm-hmm. So no, that's, I just want to know ball. if this, so I just want to know if this, I'm going to ask them, I'll be like, is that a partnership with you guys? If not, it needs to be because that's brilliant branding right there. And you're working with a local company, which feels very mm-hmm. sad to me. Love that. So I am a bit curious about branding in terms of digital production. So we'll talk like I want to know about what you guys think of the video production of the teaser right down to the actual video that's out there launching the name and the logo and everything from a branding perspective. What are your guys opinions on that? Cassie, do you want to start? Sure. I mean, I'm just like obsessed with everything about it. I think that's it 
feel it felt like such a natural tie with that like Jerry Bruckheimer like Pirates of the Caribbean like that whole feel you just felt like that through the whole thing and it felt like a teaser to a Disney movie which is like such like that's what you want to be tied into like the utmost like amazing production like no dollar spared like it really did feel like every detail of that was building up to this really big crescendo of this moment and the teaser I thought was fantastic, really kind of left you guessing, which I mean, I think a lot of people knew kind of or hoped what that was going to be when it was unveiled, but it still felt like it left you, it, it didn't finish all the way, like it left you hanging for a little bit more. And then that release video was just, I thought from start to finish was just amazing. It really did to me feel like this major blockbuster summer like movie was like, that's what they were teasing, which was, I thought, really, really fantastic on their part. <laughs> Great points. And I think too, especially when you bring up the whole Disney aspect, I mean, Disney is, in my opinion, I mean, I am very biased, but the ultimate primary company for storytelling. So then to be able to connect that into uh, Seattle, I would be really interested to see if Disney or that director was involved in the production of the those videos. That would be really interesting to know, especially considering the connection, Aaron. So I love the videos. I find like to Cassie's point, they were all great. If I had to kind of like nitpick anything, or maybe if I would have done something potentially different, would have been maybe making them a little more bite-sized for social. I mm-hmm. The one minute long one was okay. The second one actually releasing it was a little long for my taste. I ended up bugging through it a little bit just to speed it along. <laughs> um, so while it's great for a launch, and obviously it was great in terms of shareability, yeah, people are going to share it no matter what because it's your launch. Um, so like long-term, I'd probably look at shorter ones. Um, they didn't really have any gifts at the ready. And I would have appreciated, like I had to go through and make the one of the motion graphic from the video. Um, I That's something I love sharing. It's definitely, again, another shareability piece. So having some graphics at the ready, they ended up sharing a few, but they were as videos and not gifts. So I was like, where's the gifts? <laughs> where's something in Gippy to, to like continuously be able to share and for people to just search? And then share on their own without having to like screen grab things. Um, and then I don't know about anybody else. Did anybody else see anything on Instagram stories? Or did I miss they, it? They, they, totally they had quite a bit. They had quite a bit. They had a lot of wallpapers okay. also going there. Okay. They, they had quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I I guess I just missed that. Maybe I didn't look late enough in the day, and I was. You had that baseball season. On. You had that baseball season. To I get had a lot going on. Detail. <laughs> Minor detail. No, from my perspective is when I looked at the, the feel of the creative and granted, I have a little bit of a more intimate take on it as having been with the Vegas Golden Knights and I think we had about eight or nine employees when we launched uh, the team name in 2016 is that from the look and feel, not only just for the launch, but even in the weeks and the months leading up to just the various creative, they were so far ahead of the pace of what we were at the same time. When I think of our launch, in Vegas Golden Knights did not even own a video camera yet. So I was about to if, say they have a way bigger team than you guys. Have. So true, <laughs> true. I will give them that. I actually think I'm not sure on this. I think they might have more employees now than Vegas has right now. And Vegas is playing in the league right now. So Seattle's been, but the, but with the live wikis too, they have so much experience doing this type type of stuff before that. Like it's not to fault them at all. But when I see the look and the feel of the stuff. It feels like it's next level. Like it's even not just compared to what we will in Golden Knights starting, but even compared to other teams existing right now. I think the look and feel is really amazing. I think 
to the point is, and this is also a kudos to them, is the branding that they've selected gives so much material that there's stuff you could play off of with the city, with the name, with leading into that. But the look has been has been so good, so polished. I think it's really interesting to see even how they how they advance even a little bit further, uh, a little bit further. One of the things I thought was a nice little touch, I might have been one of the only people to pick this up, was that they actually had an influencer in the launch too. Yeah, she did the she did the merch, which second piece to the merch was that their their first launch, whatever, just this minimal amount of pieces that they did, mm-hmm. all the proceeds went to charity. So ah. I thought that was really cool too. One of the things so, that really helped that really helped them though, and it was a great call. She was somebody who connected with the audience so well, is that her father was for the team. Oh, he's the, he's the yeah, yeah, he, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and and his father's name is Bob Condor. He was actually in the league office a little bit before me. He was like a VP overseeing all of NHL digital back in like 2013, 14 ish, and he's now with the Seattle group. So it was definitely capitalizing on the people that they have there to set to kind of go, to kind of go for this. But that was one of the things is, is and I've said this. I know Aaron and I have talked about this in the past. Is I think sometimes sports teams don't really have influencer programs at all, and I think it's something that is really uh, it's uh, something lacking in a lot of cases, and they have don't even have a player on the team, but they already have those, those influencers that whatever the route was to to getting that clues, and at the very least, they understood the importance of doing it, and they activated it. And not only did they activate it, the content itself was good content. It's not it's not like it was just walking an influencer and having some awkward thing with mm-hmm. some executive wrote copy for them and did it. It's that they put their own voice into it and they connected that way. And I think that was one of the reasons. It connected as well as it did. I think as a whole, another thing with Seattle that I think is very interesting is that they have chosen to staff in a little bit of a different way than a lot of other teams that have in the past. They have gone maybe off the board, so to speak. Some folks that maybe don't have sports experience that come from different sorts of entertainment and, and things like that. I like that to me is is uh, I know they're head of public relations uh, have worked at BBC in England for a while, so it's this very non-traditional hockey background. That being said, I think one of the things I love about that is, is that it shakes it up a little bit. And the thing is when it shakes it up a little bit, I think sometimes people have that need to, they want to say, Oh, the highest need to fit in a certain box because that's what the league has always done. If anything, that's why the league maybe doesn't get further ahead than it does is because it exchanges so many ideas that way that are kind of the same in, in a little bit of an eco chamber. In this case, this group has been so progressive. They've been so diverse, even down like they've probably pursued diversity more than any team in the league has already as well. And the fact that they've done that and brought these new ideas in, not only does it serve them well, I think it serves the league as a whole well because it gives people that idea that there is a lot of talent out there that you don't necessarily just close your eyes and see types of people over and over again. And I think that's something that can definitely not like hockey sports as a whole, I think could be a real lesson that Seattle has I thought it was so awesome that they had an influencer and I meant to like tweet about it and I completely forgot, but it really steps out. Like you said, outside of that status quo. And I mean, I've mentioned to people in sport, you know, stuff like, you know, Oh, you know, you certain leagues should in, you know, have influencers and they just give me these, you know, question mark eyes. Like, are you joking? That, that doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. There's, influencer social media then there's sports social media and they're different and I don't think they need to be and I don't think they should be and I, agree I, with you. I think Seattle did a really great job at kind of showing what is possible and and so, I mean social media is run by influencers they know it the best so why not 
get their mm-hmm. get their influence and get their you know their technique in and mesh it until you get a uh, like a good collaboration between the two. Yeah, and and to Dan's point, like I think. I think influencers are hugely important and I'm, I really love that concept. I think, you know, to what you said, Dan, like it's great that they gave her the flexibility to really make it her own. I think you do a huge disservice if you take the time to find an influencer and you give them pre-written copy and they have to read it off. And it's very clearly that this person got paid, (laughs) right? Like they're reading off of a monitor. Then it actually like is turning me off to this, right? Like I think we can all very easily tell like this person has never used this product, has never seen this team, has never watched whatever thing that they're promoting. And it can do a huge disservice for you. But to be able to give a little bit of ownership to that person, to be able to like take it, make it their own, really give it their own spin and give them the freedom to do that really makes it so much more genuine. And then it just exponentially makes that program better. I think, you know, you don't use influencers just to use them. If you're actually going to go through that and really commit to it, you need to give that person freedom to really make it their own or else it's going to seem completely disingenuous. And along with that, just to piggyback off of that is, is that you mentioned that sometimes with influencers that maybe haven't even used the product and they don't necessarily even know what they're talking about is, is that as a team or a company that's accessing influencers, it's knowing who the people are that are in tune and that do have the ability to talk about it. But it's not just sitting in a room together and saying, hey, this person is from Seattle and it's a big name. I think they would be great. But wait, they actually have no idea what hockey even is. Is that might not be the way to go. But in this case, it was to be authentic and, and putting a lot of thought into that. And I think one of the things is, and even with that, with, uh, at least my experience with influencers is that, uh, with DraftKings using quite a bit, with the Golden Knights only a little bit. Looking back, hindsight 2020, I wished we had used quite a bit more. I know we had Steve Aoki do a takeover one night, which was kind of crazy. I own some school, I own some cool points for uh, people on my personal feed that night. Is even though I think my mom was asking me, who's that Steve Aoki guy? And I, I, she, had, she had no. I'm like, he only has 17 million followers. I'm like, he's, he's a no idea. Yeah. But the thing is, seeing that limited success that we even had with that, and knowing that, but the thing is. Is that it's like it, it like not to beat a dead hole here, but it's not checking a box and we have we need influencers, we're getting influencers. At the end of the day, this still goes back to that storytelling is is are we using this person for a purpose that aligns with our brand? Is this to be uh, you know, I the one I always think of, just because it's funny to me, is and I'm gonna show my age too, is uh, I always think of Dan Marino in the commercial on Ace Ventura. When he's just re- when he's just reading it like off the card, and I'm like, it's no offense to Dan Marino. I mean, my name is too similar to him to knock it. Is that it's just so awkward, and this is not that. And I think, like you said, is is that I think for me, and then even too, we mentioned Joe Bruckheimer having these Hollywood connections. Is that as they go, is there's nobody in maybe in pro sports that's going to be more in tune with the entertainment world than he is, and to be able to access those connections and to be able to do things like that. Is that the? I mean, they still have 15 months to play play a game. I mean, when we were in Vegas, 15 months was the entire leading time that we had from when we started to play a game. They still have that much more time to go, and if they've already done this much and they still have 15 more months to go, I can't even imagine the uh, the names that we're going to see and some of the content they're going to produce. I know for me, I'm going to set notifications on their uh, on their posts because they have me at the edge of my edge of my seat. I think with the the influencer, so my previous role, influencer marketing was a big part of my position and being able to, whether it be from building ambassador programs to like athletes and whatnot, it's definitely all about that genuine piece, but it's also on different platforms. So I think that they could have had a lot of room to 
get Twitter specific, I guess. I get a little bit more specific with their influencers. Um, Same goes for, I know that they don't have a TikTok by any means right now, but that's definitely something that I'm digging into for our own channel and making sure that you kind of separate them out a bit instead of just necessarily like cross-promoting because just because someone's famous on Instagram does not necessarily mean it correlates perfectly on Twitter or say Facebook. Luckily, this person was uh, a part of the ownership group. So I think it was fine in this case, but definitely when I see issues across from like other teams, for an example, I feel like that's like the main thing is that sometimes it doesn't fit across all platforms when that might be exactly what you're going to do is use that piece of content everywhere Uh um, and not channel specific. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how they continue to develop it if they do, or if this was kind of like a Mm -hmm. one-off. We think that cool, like they did this influencer thing, but was that just because she was part of the ownership group or is it that they are actually digging into influencers? I know that the coyotes do have like a really great program. And I believe the Islanders is the other one uh, within NHL at least that dig into influencers quite a bit. So maybe it's an NHL thing or maybe it was a one-off. I I don't know. Well, speaking of social media, how was the branding in terms of social media? I do still think that there was a bit lacking in Instagram. I think that the launch was really driven towards Twitter versus Instagram. And it was just more, they just populated their Instagram with the videos and the content that they were putting out on Twitter. But I'm very excited to see the graphics, how they fully launched those, their game day graphics and some announcement graphics, all that stuff. So what are your guys' thoughts? I felt it was very digital first, at least in comparison to like other expansion teams, whether it be MLS or NHL. It did feel very uh, digital first in terms of how they went about things. Um, Maybe that's because of their senior vice president of digital experience. Like they have that particular, like, I guess, silo uh, within their organization, which a lot of brands might not have. So that could have helped. Um, I also don't know it in terms of what their like graphics team and things look like. I didn't really see any graphics beyond what was made for the website and they kind of translated back over. Um, I saw a lot more fan-made graphics. Maybe it's just because we're in SM sports and everything on Twitter, but I saw a lot of like fan-made kind of stuff. And I was like, wait, where's this stuff coming from the actual team that should be similar to this? And I would have maybe loved to see like a Jersey swap even though they don't have players, but they had like a person in their video who was playing hockey, like a model of some sort. So seeing like a Jersey swap could have been really cool. Um, But yeah, I have a a feeling it's because I don't know if they have a graphic design type role yet built out. I don't know. And and to your point, like I, I do wonder, like, is this something, are they holding back different pieces to kind of continually roll it out and have new pieces that kind of re energize the fan base. So they don't put everything out at once, but you know, to one of your points earlier, like I like about the gifts, like I think people are so ready to consume pieces that are pre-made and packaged and ready for use. So like just have everything ready, have gifts ready, have those wallpapers ready, which they did to their credit. And, you know, like you had said earlier, Aaron, like those smaller bite-sized videos that are just like a little bit quicker, a little bit easier. I think if you give people the pieces pre-packaged, you put it together and then you give it to the people, they run with it and they want that and they want to be able to put it on all of their platforms and share it with their friends and, and put it on their wallpaper of their phone. So the more that you can do the work to have everything done and ready to just release to the fans, I think the more than they pick it up and just run with it. I think one of the challenges, and I think there's a certain aspect that kind of go into this, is that, and I, as 
Island when I got to the Golden Knights, they wouldn't even call the Knights yet. It was June of 2016. We didn't get a fire until March of 2017. And it was a minor league signing. And I did a cartwheel across the office. Was like, we have a fire. We actually have somebody we can post about. <laughs> and that the thing is, is that without, like, so they have Ron Francis as the general manager. And they don't have a coach. They don't have a mascot. They don't have players. Is that when you're creating those guests, it's like, yeah, you can use a Kraken, so to speak. But how to make it specific to the team, they don't necessarily have a lot to work with. I think one of the things that they have the ability to do, uh, which hindsight, again, 2020, I wish in Vegas we had maybe even done a little bit faster, is that they uh, a mascot. I think a mascot has the ability to be incredible. I know in our case, the original plan was to debut our mascot at our home opener. However, the issue was the Las Vegas shooting was the week before. So we were not going to debut a mascot on the night that we're honoring the first responders in Las Vegas. So our mascot didn't get debuted until the second home game, which is so looking the regular season. So in that entire buildup, we didn't have a chance to get the Halo monster to really use for uh, anything at that point. Is But without players, it's, it gives them so much. And for me, I don't know, as much as I'm a color dude, I'm also a mascot dude. I'm like, okay, they could go and they could just get like a, a sick looking Kraken. I'm going to reference a horrible movie, which is right on brand for me. Is there was a movie from the 80s with Billy Zane plays, plays King Neptune. And it's as ridiculous as you could imagine. It's with Adam Sandler. It's called Going Overboard. It was Adam Sandler's first movie. It's like the budget on it must be like $25. It's, 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 a, it's a horrible. He's a comedian, a stand-up comedian on a, on a, on a cruise ship. And Billy Zane just is like King Neptune coming from the sea. I mean, speaks for itself. But the thing to me that I thought was interesting to really go out there, I don't know if they want to go this way, is that the Seattle Supersonics are still so beloved in Seattle. And when they left in 2008, it left such a void in that community. And one of the things on the internet is anything related to the Sonics, whether it's the uniform and the branding, it really resonates well with a lot of people. But I'm wondering what happened to Squatch? What happened to Squatch? He's, uh, is he in hibernation now that there's uh, no team? I think one of the fun ideas that I had, you know, threw around with people in our, you know, different group taxes. What if they brought Squatch back that he didn't have a winter team for the last 12 years and now he has a winter team. He doesn't really know what hockey is because he's a, a basketball guy, but but he's going to, but he's excited that Seattle has a winter team now. So he's going to load hockey and they can maybe use that for all their hockey one-on-one videos. Or maybe all the basketball fans in Seattle that need to load hockey too. But just a Squatch is going to load to embrace something new. Maybe they can load to embrace something new. I don't know. I just like throwing out mascot ideas. Do you think... And, and, I love do you mascots. think with that mascot, maybe it's only because I know that most teams don't put in the effort quite like the Flyers do with their mascot. Mm-hmm. There's a whole department with the Flyers. We know that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious that if they did go with the route of finding a mascot, which they probably will, um, if they would put in a ton of digital effort for the mascot, because pretty much most sports don't, but the ones that do see a lot of like return on it. And for a team I, I that's said, growing, I, it could be good. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think for me, the reason I just saw it as a valuable for an expansion team, like I said, learned the lesson from having gone through it once is, is that you need somebody to be a storyteller. And maybe once the team is going full flight, maybe you pull the reins back a little bit and you don't necessarily use the mascot maybe as much as you would now, but with no other voice having the, big, right. the ability to go up there, it would at least give you a tool on something to work with. That being said, as much as you love the idea of getting it quick, they need to get it right too. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to sacrifice uh, saying we need a mascot in August of 2020, months before we play a game, because we need somebody to tell a story now. I'd rather get the thing right because it's going to be something that we're going to go with for the long term. So whether it's uh, Squatch, whether it's 
in that tune, whether it's, uh, I mean, there's so, there's, you know, a pirate, maybe it's Jack Sparrow, whatever it is. There's, there's so many things that with their branding that lends itself to being that, that they have the ability to do this in a really interesting way. But that would be like, it's a tool that's available. And uh, because I guess it'll be just under two, uh, let's see, it'll be 14 months. That means 11 months from now, we'll be able to manage drought. So they, the way Do we have like any stats though on like kids within Seattle? Like, is there a reason most of the other teams don't dive into the mascot? Is it because kids don't really go to the game? Honestly, I think it's one of the things, and this is going to be a little bit critical, and I apologize to my NHL brethren on this, is that I think it's just one of those things that sometimes the NHL can be stuck in its ways and, uh, and people haven't done this before, so they just don't do it just because they don't do it. Although the value is there to, to, to be capitalized upon. I don't know if it's necessarily a decision to not do it. Uh, I think in the case of the Flyers, uh, and I guess this will be one of the things, and how the world changes. I remember the morning that Gritty debuted, it was our case. Everybody looked at it like, what the hell is and then about 45 minutes later, he uh, he fireballed the Pittsburgh Penguins. Everybody's like, yeah, I love Gritty. And the thing is, I think they caught lightning in a bottle, and they saw what they had. And I think based on the success that they had early, they saw the value in continuing to go forward with it. So I think that is something that goes into that. But no, is I think they they proved as maybe it was by – I don't know if they ever could have expected Gritty to be as successful as – I was going to say, hey, but it – it gritty is it, it, I guess. I mean, it, I don't know if they ever expected it to be as popular as it was, and I think they capitalized off of that, but it revealed the value that could be there with some other places. I know some other places have maybe done debut content for mascots. I know Edmonton, when they have Hunter the Creepy Mountain Lion, and uh, they had a video, I remember it was like Kill Bill style, like where he stuck into the Calgary Flames offices and like it's some sort of nonsense, but it was like a watch. It wasn't like long term that way. Is that, uh, but that point is like with kids, it, I mean, and I guess many adults do. Well, I, think yeah. I go to games, I like my mascots. Yeah. Is I that, think it the mascot us. really lends to kids at the games, like physically at the games, but mm-hmm. the mascot could have a whole other life on digital and on social. And that's something that I would love to see be explored more within all sports. It's just, I mean, Gritty has Twitter and it uses it very well um, to connect with fans. And there's a lot of branding opportunities between their different partners and sponsors with the mascot. So I would love to see that become like, I really kind of view Seattle as you guys are the epitome of the team that can step out of the NHL status quo and really set the stage for like the new expectations. So I want to see whatever mascot that they come, come up with have a Twitter and an Instagram and a TikTok and it be active and then, and then have a, a social team that knows what they're doing and knows how to market the mascot on each platform. Yeah. And I think you, you want to have all that. And I think there's, you know, it's shown like with Gritty, like there's so much potential there and you, there's so much that you can do with that. I think you also have to be so careful to not just try and do Gritty 2.0. Like oh. that really was like such lightning in a bottle. And it's not to say that you can't have success kind of using those pieces and replicating that, but you want to be really careful and not just trying to like do the exact same things that someone else did. And then it just feels like you're doing a knockoff. And, you know, I think the, you know, the Twitter presence too has been, you know, really fun and sassy in the first few days, which I appreciate and I like, and I think it's important to really have, be really cognizant of, cognitive of what your sound is and what your voice sounds like from the, from day one. And they have the ability to do that from the 
first day of them branding their team to be able to really dictate what their voice sounds like. You know, we all know like that sassy voice doesn't work for every brand, but I think it certainly does for a sports team. And I think for, especially for a new one, you can be really fun and playful and sassy with it, especially on Twitter where everything is just so live. Um, but it's also, you know, really being aware of that and, and not just doing things just because you've seen other teams or other groups find success, success with it. You still want to carve out your own lane so that you have your own specific identity. That's not just like, we're just trying to do a gritty did because that clearly worked and that was amazing. And we just want to replicate that. Like you do want to find your own identity, you know, and, and replicate some of the pieces. I mean, certainly there's a huge amount of success that they've had and you want to take those pieces and run with it, but to still make it your own and not just look like a carbon copy of what people have done prior. Yeah. Cassie, with that statement, you should be the professor because that is like right in social media 101, in my opinion, is that that needs to be there. I think like even my own experience is like with Vegas is one of the things with branding with, with us was, and it wasn't just on social media, it was also in arena with our in-game shows that I think definitely kind of set the standard in the NHL with knights and stones and sword fights and things like that. And on social media is the expression that we often use there was Vegasizing things, that we wanted to mirror the city and be something that happened that cap with that. Mm-hmm. And I know that, especially when we kind of shut up the status quo, there was definitely some folks that I chatted with in the league that sometimes I almost felt like it was sour grapes where they said like, oh, you could only get away with that because you're a new team or whatever. And it's, and that's what you want to say to them. It's like, well, if we were the Buffalo Sabres or the St. Louis Blues, Vegasizing doesn't make sense in St. Louis because it's not Vegas. Is that if we were the Montreal Canadiens, no, we should not be writing haikus in the middle of periods. But if you were the Montreal Canadiens, you also have history. You also have a lot of other things. I look at it as, is, but because of that, I think one of the things that does happen that Cassie kind of touched on is, is people will see success of the sassy account and think that it's necessarily a minute uh, whether it was us with the Golden Knights or the LA Kings or Wendy's. And the thing is probably like a flu better rule to social media people when an executive says, do it like Wendy's and doesn't necessarily know anything that kind of went into that. So to me, it really is staying true to themselves. I think one of the things I like in Seattle is that they've been fun, but they have not been over the top in Vegas. I think they were purposely over the top at times because I think the city itself is purposely over the top. <laughs> and Seattle is the opposite of that. It is a little, it's way more reserved of a city. Was, if you go down the street, you don't necessarily see Elvis uh, singing uh, Tupac songs, which I have seen Elvis singing Tupac songs in Vegas, believe it or not, is that, which sounds like the strangest thing that all it was. Is that because of that is, is to look at it, but no, to not do that, to capture a fun, chill West Coast type of feel to it that mimics that city because the same level of over-the-topness would not fit them. And I know that there's definitely people that would say, oh, well, this is how the last expansion team did it. You should not do it this way. Or do it this way. Forget us. Grow us out. Maybe take some things that you can maybe learn analytically on opportunities for growth and things like that, but don't try to mimic the Vegas Golden Knights. Don't try to mimic anybody else. Mimic yourself. Mimic your market and capture your fans and look at what you're building. It's, you're not building it for fans of, if you're Seattle, you're not building it for fans of the St. Louis Blues and Buffalo Sabres and Pittsburgh Penguins. You're developing it for your fans and for your market. And Do you think that they will start to adjust their voice now that they have a team name? Or do you think they're just going to kind of like keep rolling with it? I think me personally, I could be wrong. Is I feel like they're in a, in a pretty good spot right now. I think that being said is, is that uh, 
it's still going to be a while. Like, I mean, it seems like, yeah, at, at the end of the day, 11, 12 months till the expansion draft is not that long. There's still a lot of days to fill with content. There's still a lot of days and not necessarily a lot of events going on. So the thing is, is that I think the boys will pick up as they have more events with the Golden Knights. That was how we started to ramp up once we got players and once it started to be that last two or three months before the expansion draft is when I thought we kind of pushed in a little bit more. That's still another six or seven months for them. As that's the thing is, I think it'll they'll probably stay consistent, but it might just seem like they're leaning into it more heavily six or seven months down the line because they'll have more things to cover because there will definitely be some silent days between uh, or silent couple days between now and then. And I think they should adjust their voice. I mean, they have kind of the luxury of having time to figure out what, what works and what doesn't and in a spot where we're, they're not playing yet. So they don't really need to worry about um, you know, them going necessarily too far and, you know, stepping outside of their fan base. So I think it'll be interesting to see. And what I really loved was the video that they did with the group chat with all the NHL teams. I thought I was serious. I liked it. And this was going to be a question for Dan that I want to bring up. Did the NHL help create anything for you to like unite people? Yeah, honestly, I would assume, and you know what happens when you assume, is uh, if I was to assume, I would say that was the NHL thing to do. Honestly, by connecting all that way, is with us, as I mentioned, Adidas gave us our launch asset, which was the announcement of the name of the Knights, that definitely the organization had input on what the branding was going to be, but it was still a creative asset that was developed by them, is that I would say 100% believe has their... Uh, the fingerprints in a lot of things. I even think when it comes to picking the name, and again, this is the scale of the leagues we've had it, is that in 2020, it's not like it was in the in the 60s. Like when the St. Louis Blues started, they got the logo, the coach drew it. Like he just drew, he doodled and he drew it. And it's a good logo. I mean, he nailed it. But it's a little bit more complicated now. And for anything to happen, names to be picked, is it goes through the league. I know with the Golden Knights, the it was not the first name that was going to be selected. And the league had given guidance and had moved it in a little bit of a slightly different direction. Is that all the, just a, I guess the long way of saying that the short version of that is, is yes, the league has a lot of say on these things because at the end of the day, as much as this is about the Seattle crack and building their brand, this is about the league wanting to successfully enter a market. But, but see, that's what I found so fascinating though, is that I feel like the league didn't do as much with the golden Knights as they could have. And even other teams mm-hmm. like, they replied to some of your tweets, but it just felt a little more united this time around. I think, I think that, yeah. I, think and I don't know why we, that was. Yeah. Maybe it's because we put more emphasis on social now than even when we did in 2017, which right. is great. And the teams and I, and I are a also, lot more involved. We were but it just closed, felt different. Yeah, we were first, and there was maybe really no standard for it. And, you know, doing anything the second time is probably going to be more successful than doing it the first time. Sure. So I think there was some aspect of that, too, is because like I said, with us, there was definitely a lot of uncharted territories. Like, as, even when we were building voices and even trying to project, like, follower growth and things like that, we didn't know what to base it on because there had never been an expansion team in the digital era. Like, what do you, there had never been a team in our city. Like, what do you base it on? So the thing is, now there is a little bit of a benchmark to, to base it on. Like, even for example, that I know when I always say this is the, Easiest job I ever had. I fell asleep the night that we named the Golden Knights and the next morning on the Instagram account had, had doubled the following. 
I was like, great. Was, go back to sleep. Nice one. <laughs> is that it was, it was, it, everyone from Building Creek had a 66 day overnight. It was crazy. What, did, what were the final stats? Oh, let's Remember watch. when you said first day versus second day? Yeah. I, I, I know at one point, I'm looking at my phone. I think on day one, I think there were about 75K on Twitter earlies. I mean, which is, which is really, which is a little bit more than us, but even with us though, it was, we had that 15 month stretch and I think we started the season with like 200 k on Twitter and probably 70% of that was gained in three stretches that added up to eight days. And we had 20,000 of those hour. That was a nice hour. Is that it I was. Did, but you can't necessarily compare because, yeah. because again, even social media has grown so much in three years. <laughs> The amount of users, the amount of sports users, how people are mm-hmm. consuming it, how people are consuming it after the pandemic. Good lord! Like, and it was I also would expect numbers to be absolutely massive in comparison to the Golden Knights. I would. And it was digital posts too. Well, they uh, they live streamed it online, and we were on the yeah. network, so that's a little bit of a difference too. So we would TV posts, and they will internet first. So I think that even plays a uh, a part in it too, where. The only place to watch that announcement was them streaming it and on their own platform. That plays a huge factor that we uh, that we definitely did not have. Cassie, do you have any thoughts? No, I mean, I just, I, I feel like you guys really like touched on everything. I, I totally agree with it. I think, you know, even just four years ago, like social media was just such a different landscape and it just keeps exponentially growing. And I think companies really do now more than they did even like a year or two ago, understand the importance of it. And it used to be no one was working in social media. And then it was just kind of an afterthought. And like when I started, you know, 10 years ago, it was like, oh, just figure out someone to do it. And now, you know, even like, I feel like four or five years ago, it was the marketing department handles it. Maybe there's someone that kind of covers it. And now it's no, there's these built out departments of people that specialize in different pieces. It's not just one or two social media people that do everything. It's we need a videographer. We need a, an expert editor. We need, you know, the creative that we, all these different specific roles that now I think people understand Twitter isn't just tweeting out funny things. You're putting together these really masterful pieces of content that people are consuming. And to Dan's point, you know, to, to host it on your website, where it's streaming on your channels to really own that message you're having all eyes on yourself. I mean, to really capitalize on that moment when everyone is focused on your pages, on your platforms is so important. And I think they did a really great job really owning that message when they they knew that they had all eyes on them. I wonder what the internet's going to be like in four years from now. <laughs> and we, think, and we think the comments have gotten worse in the last four years and they're going to be in 2024. Yeah. Now, I will ask, because I obviously know that most or all NHL teams along with uh, MLB is they all run their websites off the MLBAM network and you have templates and you have this and that. Did you, when you guys built your site, did you build your own website beyond MLBAM and then you transfer back over? That's a good point. Because their website is their own thing. It's separate. It's not NHL, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And that allowed them to customize every piece. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautifully designed to take people through an entire journey on it. But you would have never been able to do that on that. Yeah, uh, I think I think I'm, I'm still trying to understand that a little bit myself, just because in the past teams have been on the same program. With us in our case, when we started in June of 2016, we had our own website, which I will say did not look even close to how good theirs does. The reason that we did not get a website right away is because at the time the league was overhauling every team's website and building a new website for every team. So they did not want to build one for the Golden Knights, knowing in three months is when all these other launches were going to be. 
So we pretty much just made do with what we had, for, which was not very good for the first four or five months. The night of our main launch, in a three-minute stretch, we announced our name, we flipped over those social handles, and we debuted our new website. So for me, getting used to the new handles of the website, it's like, as this is going on, as it was all in that moment. And, but that was also, it was Greg Ferraro from MLBAM and built our website, uh, mo- most of the website. It was some other results of it. He really did the, uh, the lion show that work. Is, but all this was built within that platform of the other teams about five months later. To that, though, they haven't swapped out their name yet. I'm curious when they will do that. For right now, I feel like they're going to sit on it for a little bit, and they have is it because whatever of verification? is. Is it because of the verification it, issue? That is mm-hmm. one, but they could easily verify the other one very quickly. They have partnerships with Twitter. That and they, and shouldn't necessarily be the issue. I feel yeah. like it's because they launched this they want people to come and find this page before transferring it over to Kraken. I have a feeling they're going to keep Kraken for, or just NHL Seattle for quite a little bit. I was, I was curious about that too. Is I know I definitely discussed that. We switched over right in live time. Uh, the reason that was the motivator behind us was, is when we were, other account was called Vegas is Hockey. That's what it was called. Is that nobody could find it. And if people could find it, they didn't know it was a team because even if it was verified, it just wasn't a name. Once the name allowed that searchability, it, that's what main reason we got the biggest boot. I'm definitely suspicious that the reason they did it was because of the verification issue. But that being said, like you said, on something the scale of this and the importance of this, and knowing the league's connections, the league offices connection with these with with Twitter, I would be stunned if there was not the ability to do it. In our case, I know like even when other account launched, we we were verified in three and a half seconds because we had it so pre-arranged that way. So the, it seems like there is the ability to do it, but it seems like there was a missing piece here that if I was behind, if all of us were behind the scenes, we'd probably go, oh, that makes a lot of sense and why this is the route that they chose. But from the outside, that was definitely something that was a little, a little different. I feel like because of how they branded everything just around Seattle and everybody knowing NHL Seattle, and they were previously saying, hey, head to NHL Seattle's page and like you're, you need to go to NHL Seattle to do all this. Like, That's a good point, kind of going to wait it out a little bit. And they had a good like, reason. Whatever it was, they Twitter, had a good But at least on Twitter, maybe Instagram's a little different. At least on Twitter, when you search, it's fine. You can still search Seattle Kraken and it'll find it. Mm-hmm. You can search NHL Seattle and it'll find it. I know that the Canes swapped their name what this past season from NHL Canes to just Canes because of searchability issues or something going on with that. But I don't know. I just feel like they're going to be okay for a while. And they just want some, just to hold off on another piece that they just didn't want to worry about for right now. I mean, I Or Savannah has something really cool up her sleeve for when they switch the name. I don't know. And that's maybe like Cassie said, is that they kind of just want to hold off on different pieces and 15 months to go. They're just... Yeah, gonna hold on to things. As yeah, they so now they can make a huge production of we're not NHL Seattle anymore. <laughs> right, I think like there is there's so much time. I I do liken it to like album releases and like really if you're going to announce an album six months before it's released, you really have to fill in those months with different juicy nuggets for people to like wait and and grasp and get that new information. Unless I was a little I was a little surprised when I went to the Twitter page and it still wasn't swapped over to a new name. But to that point, you know, now that we talk through it now, it's, is that another piece that they're just kind of waiting to space out to really build up 
and have these kind of these things that seem a little bit trivial, but you can build them up to be more monumental things for a fan base that, you know, is, is grasping for new and fun pieces to, to consume online. And, and maybe that's one of them. It would be interesting to figure out, you know, what that, what the methodology is behind that. Is even to that point is, and not to entirely change the subject, but I think it is related is to their branding that we didn't even touch on. It's just the naming of their arena to boot was the Climate Pledge Arena, which is definitely a little different. I mean, it's the, uh, it's got to be called it's the CPA. It's so Seattle, though. <laughs> it's got to be it's called so the so on brand. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's so on brand, but also even the fact that the ice is being made by, I think, like, converted rainwater or something like that. Is it, it's yeah. so Seattle. I mean, Vegas, we wouldn't have had the rainwater. Though. I mean, for one thing, is I think it rained six days in the two days, in the two years that I lived there. Is, but the thing is, it's so on brand and it is so that way that even to that the aspect of it and the fact is that they don't even have their arena finished yet well we at least had our arena was finished at this point is that they can even roll it out as as part of a grand opening event at the facility. you didn't so, even have your arena during practice right yeah. we didn't have the practice right <laughs> okay we didn't true. have the practice that's right true. Okay. so cassie erin shadowed me into a bar because that's where the only look at the look area was, was a bar. there were only three okay. ice sheets there were only three ice sheets in Las Vegas before the Golden Knights got there. <laughs> Two of them were in the Las Vegas Ice Center, which is where that was. And uh, it was like, you know, 80s, like 80s era type of rig. And the other one was actually in a Mexican-themed local casino. That if you went, which actually Jason Zuffo's childhood rig, that one was. And it was, if you went to the, to the concessions, it was like slot machines went, like at the concessions. It was like, really different so there were only three ice sheets however the t-mobile arena itself was built coincidentally fun fact i had actually never been to las vegas until two months before i got the job there coincidentally i was covering the opening of t-mobile arena it was a concert it was the killers with lane newman opening how vegas is that because the killers are from vegas <laughs> as as it, it's i don't know it's eclectic right i mean they they brought like we even said it was probably the biggest crowd we knew and it was something in front of because vegas is used to the old singing halls and t-mobile arena seats uh twenty thousand. even the night i got there which is three nights before the they got the team uh went to a wwe pay-per-view that was there so the actual building was finished it was but the practice ring that took a while i think we uh we broke ground on that in october so like three and a half months later i remember Picking out a shovel in the middle of the sand and like saying, "Hey, X, this is where my office is, my desk is going to be," with my stupid little hollow hat on that I look incredibly bad in. Is that no? But no, that was not done yet. But we had our building finished, like the actual arena finished. And in their case, they don't have the practice ring or their actual arena finished. If anything, that's why it's going to be as long as it is until they start because the building itself won't be ready. So the thing is, I wonder if as they open that, they have the ability to have. Instead of us being the killers opening, which probably is a great opening anyway, regardless, is that they have the ability to even own their opening, and maybe they even do it with the opening of the building, and they can even even involve even involve the switching over the of the accounts. There's so many options, so much time, so much creativity over there. Is like like both of you had said, not to uh, all three of you had said, is they have so much time. Is it, it'll it'll be fine. They are pacing so far ahead of the pack right now, and I'm excited even. Uh, just trying to think what else would be out there. Expansion draft. I mean, they're gonna, I mean, sure they're gonna smoke it with the expansion. It's in their Twitter bio. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna steal your players. I feel bad for Savannah with the amount of mentions that she's gonna get from people saying, you should, what 
fans like to do is they like to take the one player on their team that they absolutely hate, and they'll say, oh, hey, you guys should have a nice, lightly used Andrew McDonald or whatever it is, and it's because they don't want that guy on their team, and they will yell that in their mentions, as that for the last year, she's probably seen, and the staff has probably seen nothing but, name the team, name the team, you cows, what's the name going to be? Now it's going to be, don't take this guy this guy it's going to be right. when can i buy jerseys it's going to be things like that so uh no i think they made that i think it was very symbolic how they made that switch over in the bio and just trolling uh trolling the other actually 30 of 31 teams i guess that's an to player up but trolling 30 of the other 31 teams. Mm-hmm. all right so the what last thing they're going to take oh. <laughs> I, I can have fun doing this now i didn't get to have fun doing this in 2017 now i could be Part of the peanut gallery, just yelling all these wild suggestions and do they should. Please don't be I'm that like, person. Don't be that. Oh person. no, you you don't get it. After getting yelled at by the internet for a year with all those suggestions, this is my turn now. <laughs> now, do you guys maybe because again we're talking about like being digital first? I did notice that they kind of dived in pretty deep into LinkedIn, which I thought was super interesting. Me, I'm thinking like I would have maybe spend a lot of time on TikTok, up and coming young people trying mm-hmm. to get young people to like hockey, but they really went deep into LinkedIn. Maybe, I don't know why, maybe Savannah has something, maybe there's something there because of Seattle and all the industries that are there. I'm assuming a ton of partnerships are about to, to be unveiled, but they did a lot of posts and branding on LinkedIn. So if you haven't checked it out, you should do that. It's pretty interesting. So I checked Instagram. It's very different for NHL. We'll swap. I, I haven't checked LinkedIn yet. I, I just went on the Instagram didn't even register as something that I should check for. I, mean, I didn't oh. I didn't come across it by going to their page. I came across it because people kept sharing. They kept sharing their really? posts. Like people within the industry were sharing all the branding posts. And I was like, I was, wait, what? I was just so on Instagram. You're diving like, into LinkedIn? Like what is going on? I was just on Instagram. I was looking at my friend's dogs. And when I was looking at my friend's dogs, I'm like, oh wait, they're Seattle. They, they came through my feet again. So I think that was why I found them. All teams have a LinkedIn page typically for like HR purposes and things like that. And they mm-hmm. kind of dabble posts here and there. But any posts that like you saw on say Facebook and whatnot, anything that was linking out to something, they put on the LinkedIn, which... Was different it's, than it's also a, a different strategy too because I know there's always that debate is you'll see some teams sometimes put like game recaps on LinkedIn and personally that's not really my that's not really my style I think LinkedIn is it doesn't feel right for the platform and but when you're it, branding yeah. something completely that's new you're starting a new business exactly yeah. so I think in this case it was a good opportunity to do that but that being said is I don't want uh, people to out there to necessarily think that. A good LinkedIn strategy means okay, we need to buy into LinkedIn. That means we need to put things on LinkedIn. Yeah. Is, is that it? Yeah, hundred percent is. I, I, Aaron, I know you a, know. Was, I know we know. Just was, yelling it for the people out there. It is, was but, a fascinating bonus that I noticed within social because most people don't think about LinkedIn, but for a Seattle team and a new team, it's definitely a platform to think about. Definitely. I mean, it also shows they didn't miss any details. That they that from A to Z that they they exhausted this and that, that a lot of thought went into this. Now, do you think they're gonna go into TikTok and what could they have put up on TikTok since they don't have any players or anything going on right now? Like, what could they be doing? Ellen's the queen of TikTok, so I'm gonna yield all my opinions to Ellen, <laughs> and I'm gonna agree with those. <laughs> 
I mean, they could probably do some stuff like in terms of just like kind of like those branding type things or cut into their their videos that they were making, um, showing off the city of Seattle and different pieces, um, influencers heavily. I don't think they could have done a lot up to this point. Um, at least that would have been super worthwhile and worth the time and effort to go into it when you can't even have a team name. But I think for the launch, they definitely could have done stuff, especially with influencers, to start um, getting people, especially young kids in hockey, interested in it uh, and interested in it making. Yeah, with that young fan base, it felt like that's that's just such a fantastic platform to, you know, it, maybe you don't have the resources at the time to do an entire new strategy for an entire new platform. But to your point, to like maybe repurpose some of that teaser content or the videos that came out first when it was announced and really splice those and, and pick and choose little pieces, but then to go all in on, on influencers and really develop that and really push that out to such a young crowd feels like such, if you have the ability to do influencers, that's such an easy fit to be able, it's such a great platform to use it and to really get a lot of traction from it, that it feels like when you have all eyes on you on this day to not launch that you know, it feels like a miss, but at the same time, you know, like we've been saying, you know, I, I don't want to guess on someone's strategy because we all know that there's a million and one things that are going on behind the scenes. And maybe there's a thousand things that they have planned that are up and coming, but it feels like TikTok was, especially for that, that younger group is such a, if you're going to do LinkedIn, then like, the right. yeah, <laughs> I the think so with TikTok, it's not just a, and Cassie can probably attest it. It's not just about what you post. Like obviously mm -hmm. things can take off very quickly on the platform, but there's so much power in just scrolling your for you page of the yeah. brand page. I'm not talking about your personal one and literally leaving comments on stuff yes. that is relatable to your brand. Like I try and make our team one very baseball related. So I can just see those type of videos and go in and pop in and comment very like witty fun young hip whatever you want to call it tiktok lingo and it just takes off we had one recently a guy who plays like uh call of duty not baseball related nothing but he called out the rays on it didn't tag us but called it out it showed up on our for you page and it was like making fun of us for being like super mediocre so i just like went in and had some fun with it he ends up like replying back to us both the videos together captured over like at least a million impressions and that's just off of a comment. Wow. And we gained almost right. 3,000 followers off of it. I'm like, if you're a new team and you're going in and commenting on hockey and there's a lot of hockey stuff on there or other teams' videos, you could have at least grown it a little bit. I, I have even, no doubt in that. I think even when it comes to TikTok, too, I think one of the things that's great about Seattle, we touched on influencers a little bit, but when it comes to TikTok, we mentioned mascot. And who do you find as the brand ambassadors to be the voice of, to be the voice of things when you don't have players yet? Uh, I'm mm -hmm. going to assume the general manager is not going to be on TikTok. I could be wrong, but it could happen. Anything could happen. Is that the city of Seattle is really rich with a lot of culture, especially music, where uh, like, like even musicians that are no longer with us, like Jimi Hendrix going way back, and Pearl Jam, and Matt Lamar, and Kurt Cobain. Like, there's so many people that are from Seattle, and that some people might not even realize are from Seattle. So there's so, if they do want to dive into TikTok and identify who those people are that are a little bit more current than maybe some of them that I even mentioned, is that the opportunities are there to do it in a way that's really uniquely Seattle, because the amount of people that have come through there and are from there, 
is a lot more than a lot of cities of similar sizes. Yeah, and I think, you know, to that point, like it, it, that really makes me think of when Nashville had their playoff run and like every single game that they had had a different country artist based in Nashville. And it was like to have that pool of talent of people that are connected to your city and to be able to tap into that was just like, it felt like every single night was this newsworthy piece of who was even just singing the anthem before the game even mm-hmm. started. And to be able to tap into that even before games start, I think is is a, is a huge piece that can be advantageous for them. That's, that's a really good point. I think that's one of the better activations that an NHL team has done in recent years. I remember at the time, uh, I guess it started out with a little bit of a thug. The guy who was the usual anthem singer was, uh, was a little salty that he was replaced by all the country music people in Nashville. And he took a little bit of shots at... Uh, at some of the people, and he wasn't invited back as the anthem anymore. But it was a, but once they got that going, it was exactly, and you would tune in, and it would immediately give you the feel, we're in Nashville. That we're not, we could be in any other city, but we're in Nashville. We are Carrie Underwood. We are, uh, I mean, Nicole Kidman wasn't singing, but she's at games constantly right there. As I think so many people like that, it really elevated that. I mean, even there, uh, to even piggyback on that was they had guys from the Titans chugging beers in the luxury suite. They had everyone outside on Long Broadway. Is that they made it feel like it was like a, a music festival, but it was a hockey game. And that as Music City is really excellent and a really good example. Even when you go to Nashville as opposed to other arenas, it's one of them that when you walk in, you feel like you're in Nashville. They have a stage where they have like local, like upstart country music bands that play during the intermissions and things like that. There's being able to tap into that and giving you payment. They have uh, a Tim McGraw song, two goal songs, crying out loud. I mean, that's a little different too. Is that What do you so see as Seattle natural. tapping into for entertainment? Because Vegas Ooh. was obviously the entertainment like mm-hmm. capital of the world, things like that. Nashville's very into music and things like that. Seattle, you don't necessarily, that's not what you think of when you first think uh, of Seattle. I think, I How think do you see the like, game experience taking on Seattle? Because they say it's going to be important. I, I think it's going to be very tech-heavy and incredibly tech-heavy that way. I hope for their sake, they don't have to go through what I have to go through when Lil John engulfed me in smoke in a castle. Because uh, we had a castle in the building and we would have like a thing, you'd wind it up and it would like start the game. And Lil John wound the wrong thing and smoke came out of the castle as I was at the foot of the castle getting ready to film it. So... Uh, it Once you came to fame, you got uh, smoked by Little John. Little John I mean, Castle, like and literally. A, and a castle. Put that in your bio, Dan. Is that I got smoked by Little John, and I watched Wolfgang Puck hang frying pans in a net as I was shot cheese blues at the frying pans. Is but that's not going to be Seattle. I think for, I think the fact is between Microsoft and a lot of the tech companies up there. I think it's Seattle. I think of the technology that what happens in Seattle, what happens in the world happens in Seattle first, is how I think of it. And to be able to focus on light shows and tech and tech and special effects even that maybe go into a crack and maybe coming up from under the ice. I don't even know. I, I, players, I can't make movies like Jared Brettheimer, but I'm sure he has something in mind. I don't know. Maybe you'll have uh, just like the scene in Pirates of the Caribbean when the Kraken is plucking all the people off the, <laughs> the deck. Maybe it'll be like each one will be a logo of the other team and they're plucking off the deck. I don't know. Is that just tech heavy and special effects heavy? And in that way, that would be to me what I would see in Seattle. Did anyone get to catch the section of the live stream that was all about game and experience at all? 
I, I haven't even had time to go back and rewatch it either. No. Okay. I have not yet. It's on my list. Okay. Does anyone think that Amazon is going to play a part in this team? They don't really have it in like the other sports teams that are there. So I mean, they, they have the sponsoring on the arena, even though they call it a climate pledge. I mean, it's still That's Amazon. True. That's true. So, That's true. I mean, you, you have that aspect of it. Uh, I wonder. I mean, could be. I'm just I waiting for be... some sort of, you know, if they don't do it, oh, Amazon's missing out. Like all the stuff where like you order something from the app and they take it to your seat. If that is right. in Amazon Prime, oh, that's you are missing out. Ellen, you got you gotta sell these I ideas. Can, you gotta you gotta I get people to sign NDAs before they get them these. If I can I, order stuff at that arena from my Amazon app and I don't even, I know that they're gonna have some NHL Seattle app just like most teams do. But if you can also do it from your Amazon app, oh, don't have to like get new credit card information. It's just there for you. Oh, all right. There's no way you just came up with that on the fly. Dude, I did it. <laughs> I should have done an NBA on that. I need to work for Amazon's partnership. Oh. Get this girl a raise. <laughs> if I see it happen, we know that it started in this. You know it originated here. This is like this is like when you see somebody subtweet you. This is like when you see somebody subtweet you. It's like mm-hmm. I saw like I got so frustrated. I did the switch squad that I mentioned before. You know, you got like 10 retweets. A few hours later, I saw somebody with like one fifth of my amount of follows, and I got like eight thousand retweets on Split Squad. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, please. <laughs> Killing me. It's gonna happen. So it, it doesn't come in a pretty Amazon Prime box either. <laughs> and, and it better be on time. I'm telling you, season ticket holders, you have to use the Prime app because then you'll get it first. If they don't take that idea, that is their loss. Okay, so the last thing I wanted to bring up was the website. When I noticed that the website, that as you're scrolling and you can kind of see the animated logo as it's describing each element, I thought mm. that was amazing. And I discovered that by accident. I was on their website and I was just kind of mindlessly rolling up and down trying to figure out like, oh, okay, am I done looking at this? And then I was like, wait a second. And that's how I noticed it. Right. What do you guys think about the website? I loved it. I I liked that it wasn't kind of like I alluded to earlier that it wasn't the NHL website because they could do so much more with it um, in terms of flexibility on things and animation. Their, their web UX designers things went completely out of the park but I think my favorite part of all of it was it was a journey as you scrolled so you started from the top you didn't go too fast like things started moving and you stopped and you were like oh I need to actually read this and kind of follow mm-hmm. along um so it was very user-friendly uh, nice little bite-sized bits for a site I was gonna say it wasn't like too, too much text that was like oh, you know what I don't have the time I don't care to read this it yeah. was like that nice bite-sized text that was like perfect to like make you pause and read it, but not too much that I was like, I don't want to waste my time and, and read all of this. Yeah. And they they didn't make you go click anywhere else. All mm-hmm. you had to do was keep scrolling. So it felt very... That's a, that's a big so deal. It was very yeah. mobile friendly. I didn't do it on my desktop. I Again, this, I feel like it was a very digital, social kind of first concept. They built that for mobile. And they knew that that was probably where people were going to consume. I'm mm-hmm. assuming they have data and things like that. So... Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. I guess and that's I that Seattle it. tech. What happens in Seattle, whatever happens in the world happens in Seattle first. I guess. There you yeah, go. it just it just shows like that. And we had mentioned this before that just like they thought of everything. Like it really did mm-hmm. feel like that first day, like they really had thought of 
just every small detail, like nothing felt like it had been overlooked or that there was like a huge miss anywhere. And obviously anyone can go back in and kind of nitpick and find little things, but it really, for me, felt like the overall day was so comprehensive. Everything had been so thought through, even like I'm obviously as we, like all of us here, just like such a sucker for puns. And I even loved when they went through that like full day of like that content of like kind of going through all of their different marketing pieces and all the different, the logo pieces that it was like doing deep dives and everything just felt like even that they little name was like. Highlighted, um, they highlighted their VP of marketing, the, mm-hmm. the lady, I can't think of her name right now, but for her to be able to come in and announce this, I thought that, mm-hmm. that was huge. And you want to find a crack in though, you got you to gotta go do a deep dive. That's it. Like it felt like as kitschy as it is, like everything had been so like thought through. Like everything, just like taking that time, even though it's like a silly pun, like it just really did feel like everything from you know social to the website that was like so beautiful and really took you on that journey. And everything was just you could tell was really, really well thought out. I think it proves when you have the time and mm-hmm. you put people in positions to complete things you will have a great end product. When you try and rush things and you don't have the right people in the right places, you don't get the same result. So I would say, because I know that this is probably going to be the next team rebrand kind of that we see, is obviously you have the MLS one coming out, but you have this issue with Washington going on right now. And I would say that the one thing I like about it is that they're taking the time to get it right. They didn't try and rebrand their team in two weeks, whatever it was, they kind of rebranded it enough to get through the season, keeping the same colors. But I hope that they get the right people in the right places to truly make something great out of a kind of crappy situation that they're in. And if they go and take any lessons from what happened with the Kraken, it's take the time to do it because it it works. And especially right now, because we can't experience anything in a, in a physical form it shows how you can make a launch and can make an entertainment sports experience great digitally. Does anyone think that what happened in the focus on digital was they wanted to be digital first or did they have to kind of reconvene because of the pandemic? They couldn't have anybody come into Seattle to create an experience. So they did everything. I think a lot of it. Yes. But also the fact that it wasn't even, televised on actual TV was a thing. I think that goes into it also. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I obviously wasn't there. I don't know how much of that went into the fact that it might've been a little bit of a moving target when it came to uh, making states. I know in Vegas, November 22nd, 2016 was our team name announcement. I think it was like October 25th is when that was the official date that was decided upon. We knew it was going to be one of those days in November and that's how it got settled onto the NHL network. Because of pandemics, I don't know anything that's been planned for the weeks in advance now. I don't think that's how the world works in 2020. So I wonder if that even had an aspect to do with it. I think a lot of it was digital boost just because that was the only way to get the message out. There weren't people there. There wasn't television. It was digital. So in a way, it, it could have helped them? <laughs> that's what I think. It, yeah. I yeah. think it worked in their favor. And I think it also shows it proves to other teams, hey, you need to put an emphasis on your digital. If the pandemic does anything, it's showing that social media has so much power for your brand and you just have to put trust in people to do it, put emphasis, whether it be sponsorship and branding and content and put it out there and do it right and do it not like half-assed. There's no better way to say it. Like just do it right. 
If you were going to give him a grade from one to a hundred, what would you give him? Hundred being the best. I don't want as like an all encompassing. All encompassing. This is your this is your final exam, right? This is exactly your final exam, P- professor. Right. There you go. All okay, right. Well, I need a starting point. What do you grade Vegas as? Ooh. On the actual night of the announcement. Yes. Not 100? including the jersey. If you want to include, if you add in the jersey later and you want to just bump up the score because of that, that's cool too. The, actual, kind of the actual logo itself on the night, I think was an excellent logo. I think the name fit. I think the announcement was incredibly subpar. Honestly, as I think if I was going to do out of 100 is 12 out of 100. Honestly, like we, all the announcement that was not smooth. It was not, it was we had technical issues. We had lots of things that were not necessarily built out on. In our case, a lot of it was outsourced. And that was one of the things that kind of went into that. But in the case of Seattle, they, as far as they know, were not outsourcing things. They took control of it themselves. Is that from the, the aspect of that is their announcement night was superior, superior to ours in almost every way. So what's your like final score from Vegas? I need some, out of a hundred, out of a hundred, yeah. out of a hundred, I give us a twelve. Oh geez, all right. Well, that should not Ow. help anything. Damn. Okay, okay. UK, add in the Jersey Night as well. Okay, the Jersey Night. Like, do an all-encompassing brand launch. Okay, so the Jersey Night itself, I think, was we learned our lessons and we adjusted incredibly well. It was one of the most successful nights that we've ever had on digital. I think that was when the team started to come together. I would say out of a hundred on the Jersey Night would be a ninety. Out of a hundred, okay. and on the and on the night of the name announcement, it would be a twelve out of hundred. Okay, that's helpful. So somewhere okay. between there. Um. So my rating then all encompassing Seattle, I'd probably give it like a ninety three. Again, I don't think I, nobody's going to be perfect on their launch, so I'm mm-hmm. never going to give it a hundred. I don't mm-hmm. think really think that that's possible, but I think that they nailed so many aspects. So they definitely have to get an A. So we're yeah. going to say ninety three. For sure, yeah, I was gonna say like ninety out of a hundred. For sure, like you're like you said, like it's ne- nothing's ever gonna be a hundred out of a hundred perfect. You got everything perfectly done, but I thought it was fantastic. Knowing everything that goes into it, I gave him a ninety-five. Yeah, it, it was. It, I mean, it was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they got straight A's from uh, from the professors here. Well, they set a good standard, that's for sure. One thing that I noticed, and I think it, they had either tweeted it today or yesterday, about the Seattle Swarm, the WNBA team. And, I mean, it's a very performative, you know, hey, go check this out. We support our women's sports who and WNBA team that plays in the same arena. But, I mean, they just launched and they're already donating. They're already putting out different feelers for having some collaboration with other teams and like with female teams. So I think it gives them a really good opportunity to, again, set the example for Mm -hmm. NHL teams and go past that performative allyship. Like we see with Calgary, when the CWHL was in action, they said, hey, here's our sisters, follow our sisters, the, you know, Calgary Inferno. But there really wasn't much there that kind of showed their support other than just saying, hey, go check out their team. And that was about it. So I would really love to see there be a lot of collaboration there and maybe some different activations or events that come out of it. And not just checking boxes. Yeah. yeah, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I think we can all agree, like you want that. You want to be supporting all the different teams, male and female, in your region. And you want to do those different pieces where 
with the merch you're getting, some of those proceeds are going to different groups in the community. But as long as you just keep that same energy a month, six months, a year, five years down the road, like I think, you know, as long as you just keep that same, that's that same, you know, use that you're doing on, on social and, and you're still projecting those same values. I think people really do appreciate, I think, especially in, in Seattle and there's especially right now, there's so much going on. I think people really do relate to that, but I just feel like if it's, if that same energy is not happening in a month or in a year, then it just, to your point, like feels just so performative. And then I think it, it really takes away from it. But, you know, as long as you just keep that same energy and, and keep that same method, I think that's really appreciated by your community. Think of how many people hit them up for jobs this week. <laughs> I've, I've lived that the hard way. I've, uh, as I, the leap is pulled out, but this is the best thing I can ever tell you about expansion. And it's not even close. Is that we had all sorts of people with jobs. We had a lady that wanted to be the team mom. That was where she had uh, sent us. It's a quality job. But the best one by far was a guy who said he was the old equipment manager for the Buffalo Sabres. His name was Pluky Palmer. Can't make that up. I tried. And he was called our office, saying he was at our office, and he was outside at Lebanon. He was not at our office because we still had an old an old address on our our website that haven't been updated yet. So he said, one of the guys working with those teams who played in the NHL in the 80s would know him. I asked the guy, I said, you know this guy? He's like, I wouldn't know him you sitting next to him. So anyway, I started Googling this guy, Blue Palmer, and he did exist. He was the, but he was like the rink attendant in Buffalo in the 70s. What he was famous for was when the puck would go around the Blues, he would kick the Blues and give the Sabres favorable bounces in the old building. This was like his thing. So anyway, totally forget it. Not thinking of Blue Palmer, whatever. So a few months later, uh, it was about a month before we named the team. It was actually the first two hockey games because the LA Kings had played home games in Vegas for a long time, exhibition games. So they played Dallas and they played Colorado and Frozen Fury in October of 2016. So we had invited like local NHL alums that lived in Vegas, like six of them, not a lot, that we had invited just to kind of be there. And one of the guys, he played a little bit on Buffalo, a little bit on Ottawa. And only played maybe 100 games in the league. And I'm walking him out of the building. And all of a sudden, I look at him go, hey, hey, Pluky. This guy, Pluky, had called in a favor to the Avalanche and was the volunteer, the volunteer locker room attendant for that night so he could try to get in the building and get FaceTime with those staff. He came out. The first thing he said was, I am connected. <laughs> oh, oh, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Pluky then, his name is Pluky. He's probably about 75 years old. Is that he's not fat at all, so he's not. You would think Pluky means he's heavy. So the guy, so this guy, I remember him. He played for the Sabres. That's why you would have known him. So he goes, "Hey, Pluky, you lost weight?" And he's like, "Yeah, I, I got the liposuction. I'm down 125." So this guy Pluky, who's 75, roaming around Vegas. He did not get the job, but on the level of stockmanship, oh, no. oh, no. so if you could Google him, there was like this weird old Buffalo Sabres fan site talking about like the legend of Pluky kicking the blues and helping the Sabres advance in the 75 playoffs or something like that. But that was the types of people that we had. So now all these people go to Seattle. Wow. Oh, I could write a book about expansion, Aaron. I could write a book about expansion. You should do that. that. Is, I'm gonna. That's gonna take a while to 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 sink in on what I just heard. Can you imagine living it? Can you imagine the look on my face when I noticed <laughs> that this guy Pluky was standing right next to me in the bowels of Nemo Arena during the second period of the game? <laughs> like, hey, what's up? I mean, he had his connections though. He'd been around the league 
you know, he was able to get in and look for the abs that night. But uh, It's not about what you know, guys. It's who you know. Well, thank you guys so much. I know we went, <laughs> I had initially like sent you guys emails saying, yeah, like just 25, 30 minutes. Just <laughs> anytime you tell Dan it's going to be 20 minutes, just it's never going to be 20 minutes. Thank you for listening to our first Sport Talks Office Hours episode. We would love to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts on our show by submitting a testimonial on our website on the contact page. Also, check out Sport Talks Pod on Apple Podcasts to submit a rating and leave a review.